Residents at a senior's residence in Nelson are facing an illegal 10% rent increase. Thunder Bay police have a new commander. Irving's paper mill in St. John exempt from paying the taxes it probably should pay. And the death toll related to drought in Somalia is 43,000 people. Good morning. It's Wednesday, March 22nd. I'm Nora, and here are your headlines. Residents at Lakeview Village in Nelson, a senior's residence, are scrambling after their landlord announced that their rental increase would be higher than the 2% cap that the British Columbia government has currently placed. To get around the cap, the owners of the facility are trying to separate rent from hospitality and services. So, where housekeeping, dinner, cable, maintenance and repairs were normally included in the rent, the owners have tried to separate it out so they can jack the monthly costs by 10%. Except that the costs are also outlined in the Residential Tenancy Act as being normal if the agreement says they're covered. Resident of the facility, Dixie Champ, reminded CBC's Daybreak that residents are on fixed incomes. Many of the residents are women who, many of them, didn't earn much for pension over the course of their lives because many of them didn't work. Plus, pensions, of course, are not increasing at a rate that would cover the costs of this increase. At the senior's residence, most of the facilities are for independent living, although there is some assisted living units as well. The residents are turning to Nelson City Council asking for help. Now, there's two things in particular I'd like to highlight about this story. The first, of course, is obvious. Who owns this facility? It is a for-profit venture that is owned by Golden Life Management Corporation and the Columbia Basin Trust. Golden Life owns about 17 seniors facilities across British Columbia and Alberta. It's owned by the Lilliord family. Their website says, quote, today, Golden Life Management Corporation includes two seamlessly integrated divisions, Golden Life Management, responsible for the operation of our villages and Golden Life Construction, which is exclusively responsible for providing end to end construction services for projects undertaken by Golden Life. The synergy allows our village designs to support the holistic well-being of every person that chooses to live or work in a Golden Life village, unquote. The Columbia Basin Trust is a treaty developed by the B.C. government to share in the revenue generated along the Columbia River Basin. It comprises local residents, officials and tribal councils. As the facility is operated as a for-profit enterprise, maybe it's time for the owners to consider cutting profit out of the mix if it's going to result in a 10% illegal rent increase for seniors. But the second thing I want to mention is that I couldn't find any other information about this other than this CBC morning show interview. No articles, no mentions of the facility on Twitter, nothing. I even scrolled back a ways at the Nelson local newspaper website and couldn't find anything. I mean, maybe I missed it, but it's a real shame that this isn't making more prominent news. And thanks to the listener who sent it to me. Next to Thunder Bay, where Thunder Bay police have a new commander. I'll let you try and guess where he came from while I talk about something else for a second. He will be replacing Sylvie Houth, who retired in January while suspended. 
She was supposed to face a Police Services Act hearing over professional misconduct allegations, reports Chris Katonin. The new commander is Darcy Fleury from Edmonton, where he's the RCMP's district commander, chief superintendent for the Central Alberta District. Fleury is Métis, and his father was George Fleury, one of the founders of the Manitoba Métis Federation. Nishnabi Aski Nation was consulted in the process and welcomed Fleury's appointment. The Thunder Bay police have been subject to eight external investigations since 2016. Now to New Brunswick, where Service New Brunswick has just decided to retract $3.5 million of a $3.7 million assessment increase it had made of the Irving Paper Mill in St. John. The assessment was made in 2021. CBC's Robert Jones is recording that it is the, quote, third major valuation reduction the facility has gotten from the agency in the last decade, unquote. Service New Brunswick didn't say why they did this beyond an annual market assessment it makes. This means that the mill now pays $670,000 this year to the city in tax, down from $1.58 million in 2012. Irving justifies the drop in taxes by saying it's thanks to difficult market forces in the paper industry. In 2021, the mill manufactured just under 95% of its full output. Jones took a look at other paper mills in other provinces to see what they were valued at for property tax. Where the total tax is assessed at $24 million for the Irving facility, which is just 41% of what was assessed in 2021, similar mills in BC have been assessed at far higher amounts. The Catalyst paper mill in Powell River has less capacity than the Irving mill, and they haven't even operated for more than a year, but they were still assessed at $124.5 million. That's more than $100 million more than the Irving location. And the company is on track to pay $3.3 million in property tax, most of which will go to Powell River. Jones also looked at three mills owned by Canfor and Prince George, which have been valued at $63 million and $98 million, despite significant production challenges and stoppages. Now, I don't want to suggest that this is all because it's an Irving property, because that wouldn't be very journalistic, and certainly Jones does not suggest this. But also, come on, this is obviously allegedly because it's an Irving property. (laughs) Come on. The Irvings own New Brunswick. They also own most of New Brunswick's media. And Jamie Irving is the chair of Post Media. I will also read this headline that's on the front page of the Telegraph Journal this morning, one of the newspapers that operates in New Brunswick. Up taxes on small biz, lower them for bigger firms, says the province's finance minister. It certainly pays to be an Irving out in New Brunswick. And finally, the Associated Press is reporting that an estimated 43,000 people died last year during Somalia's longest drought on record. Half were likely children under the age of five. And at least 18,000, but as many as 34,000 people are expected to die in the first six months of 2023. Somalia, Ethiopia and Kenya are facing a sixth failed rainy season in a row. This, plus rising global food prices and the war in Ukraine, are making it very difficult for people to access food. In addition to the massive human toll, millions of livestock have also died. The drought and famine have displaced more than 3.8 million people. Almost one half million children in Somalia are likely to be, quote-unquote, severely malnourished in 2023. 
UN officials point some of the blame for the shortages at the fact that, quote, many of the traditional donors have washed their hands and focused on Ukraine. That was said by the UN resident coordinator who said it to the U.S. ambassador during a visit to Mogadishu in January. Those are your headlines for Wednesday, March 22nd. I'm Nora. Don't forget, share this with all your friends. And did you know Sandy created a TikTok account for us? So we'll see if we figure out or if I figure out or if she figures out how to actually use that app. But there might be some episodes of the Daily News podcast cut up and added to TikTok for you. Have a great day.